You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're always encouraged to know God is changing lives through this ministry. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know and send an email to stories at wearetherising.com. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear a word from God. In 1988, uh, 4,000 people gathered together in a field in Bruno, Nebraska to watch 344 people surround a 10-ton barn and pick it up with their bare hands, moving it 115 feet to higher ground. See, Herman Austria and his wife Donna bought this piece of property in 1981, and on the property there was this barn that was built back in the 1920s, and it was a good barn, it was solid, but it was in a poor place because every time it rained, the barn flooded. And so Austria contacted a contractor to come up with an estimate on how much it would cost to move the barn to higher ground. But the contractor's estimate was astronomical, and so Austria decided not to do that. And then he got to thinking, You know, if enough people pitched in, put their hands on this barn, we could probably lift it and move it ourselves. And so sure enough, at Bruno, Nebraska's centennial celebration, 344 people gathered around that barn and they did the seemingly impossible because they worked together. This is Lourdes. Uh, Lourdes is a, a single mom in Paraguay and she sells empanadas. She got pregnant when she was 18 years old and her family shunned her. The father of her child abandoned her, and she was left in poverty to provide for her son. Here's what she said. She said, we supported ourselves with the little we had. My son never got to use diapers because I didn't even have enough to buy them. And so to rise up out of poverty, Lourdes decided that she would start this empanada business where she would sell empanadas. So she took out a microfinance loan. A a microfinance loan is a loan that's for a small amount. That's the word micro. And typically it's given by multiple people and they give a little bit of money. So she took out a microfinance loan of $60 to start an empanada business. And when she began the business, the empanadas began selling like empanadas. That's like the equivalent of hotcakes here, I guess. But it took off. It was awesome. And then she needed more money to expand her business. So she took out another microfinance loan from a company called Kiva for $975. What Kiva does is they pair investors with people who need money. And multiple investors get together, give just a little bit of money to make a larger sum so that people can take out loans to rise up out of poverty. And here's what Lourdes said about this loan that she took out and uh, these people getting together uh, to make a difference. Uh, She said this, everything that I am now, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful to Kiva Lenders. I know that they did their part to achieve my dream. I'm grateful from the bottom of my heart. See, what happened was 33 people gave $29 so that Lourdes could take out a loan of $975. And that loan helped her expand her business and ultimately rise up out of poverty. See, this is what happens when people join with one another and work together. I don't know if you've met Judy or not. Um, If you haven't, you you should, uh, especially if you're a young single guy who loves Jesus and has a job. Uh, Just saying. Judy, I'm trying to help you out, just saying. Uh, And I think, and those three things are important. Uh, Good looking, loves Jesus and has a job. I don't know if it's in that order, but you got to have all those things. But 
Uh, Judy got baptized in our church recently, but what happened was she, she previously didn't go to church. She was hesitant about going to church. The reason is because uh, she felt judged in going to church. And then her friend Micah, who is the one who baptized her, uh, invited her to come. She came and she felt welcome. She, she walked into a warm atmosphere, a warm environment, and she realized that church could be different. And so she kept coming week after week, and then she got involved in our preschool ministry, investing in preschoolers. And then she came to a point in her life where she realized that Jesus is the hope for her life, and she made a decision to believe in him, follow him, and be baptized into him. And now her life here on earth and for eternity is forever changed, all because she got a phone call from her friend Micah, who said, come to church with me. She came to church, and then she got to interact with a group of people who served, who gave their time, effort, and energy to create a welcoming environment for us. See, when we all work together, people's lives are forever changed. Have you ever wondered what happens when people work together? You, you know what happens when people work together, right? Barns get moved. People rise up out of poverty. People's lives are forever changed, and their eternities are transformed. This is what happens when we all work together. I just, I just want to take a moment today, really this is my whole sermon, so it's, it, it's more than just a moment, but, but, but I want to take a moment this morning to remind you of why we exist as a church. Because I think it's so easy for us to slip into a state of mind where we begin to think that the church is something that I go to, that church is simply a seat that I sit in and spectate, that it's so effortless for us to move into this understanding that we forget that we are part of a movement that is on a mission to see people raised to true life. There's a point in our lives when it comes to church where we can get so used to it that we begin to think that the church exists to cater to us as opposed to understanding that we are the church who join together to serve others and to see a lost world get found. Sometimes we just forget that. So this morning, I want to remind us of why we exist. We're in the third week of the series called Not So Sexy Spirituality. And um, throughout this series, my goal is this, that, that you and I would live with a sexy spirituality, that we would have a sexy spirituality. Not, not, not just that our spirituality would be sexy, but we would live sexy. We would be sexy. We would work sexy. We would drive sexy. Everything we do would be sexy. And if you hear that and you're like, that's kind of a strange goal in church. Um, <laughs> it's cool. It's because you missed the first week of this series where I explained this idea of, of, of what it means to be sexy. See, the, the word sexy isn't just about something that's sexual. The definition of sexy is to be attractive, exciting, and appealing. And in light of that definition, exciting, attractive, and appealing, I think we all want to be sexy. We want our lives to be exciting, attractive, and appealing. Because the opposite of that is dull, drab, and undesirable. And nobody ever says, I hope my life is dull, drab, and undesirable. No, we want to be exciting, appealing, and attractive. And so that's my goal, that we would have the kind of spirituality where people would see what you have and say, I want what you got. But in order for us to do that, what we've talked about throughout the series is that it requires that we engage in some not-so-sexy spiritual disciplines. Those are some of the most unsexiest words in the English language, spiritual and discipline, right? But in order for us to live the kind of life that's attractive, exciting, and appealing, it means that we got to do some things sometimes that aren't very sexy. 
And so the first week of the series, we talked about prayer. Uh, the second week of the series, we talked about reading the Bible. Today, I want to talk to you about serving. And so the first week of the series, the title for my sermon was this, Pray Like You Mean It. Last week, the title of the sermon was this, Read It Like You Need It. Today, I want to give you my title. Take a moment to write it down. Serve Like It Matters. Serve Like It Matters. If you would take a moment to write that down, we'll have the house lights come up for you so you have enough light to write. But Serve Like It Matters. You know why that's my title today? Serve Like It Matters? Because it does. Because it does. You know, it's so true that a great movement is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. And this is so true. I've said it before. I'll continue to say it again because it is just so true that a great movement, a great church is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. And if anybody understood that, it was Jesus. I believe Jesus understood this truth more than anybody else because when Jesus was in the process of launching the church 2,000 years ago, he knew that it required other people. He knew that he couldn't do it himself. And so here's, here's how the church all began. See, Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, and uh, he grew up in re relative obscurity for about 30 years. And at the age of 30, he entered into public ministry. And when Jesus entered into public ministry, he got 12 guys around him, his disciples, and he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to learn from me because he knew that he wasn't going to stay here very long. He knew that he was going to leave and he was going to launch his disciples out on a movement that had a mission. So he said, I want you to follow me around. I want you to learn from me for about three years. And then after three years, at the age of 33, Jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas, and he was arrested, and he was crucified on the cross. And this is the reason why we celebrate communion, is to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for us. Because when Jesus was crucified on the cross, here's what he did. He took your sin and my sin, all of our sin, what separates us from God, he took it on himself, and when Jesus died, our sin died with him. And every single week, we take a moment to remember that. Because I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to forget that there's a Savior who gave his life for me and loves me. It's easy in the midst of trying to plan out what's for dinner and what are my kids doing tomorrow and what are my plans for the next day and I got this really big project at work going on this week. It's easy in the midst of all of that for me to forget, wait, 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 wait. There's a Savior who gave his life for me because he loves me. And because of that, I can have eternal life forever, and that should shape how I live, and it should shape my identity. It's easy for me to forget that. So every week, just for me, maybe you need it as a reminder as well, but we do communion every week just so I can be reminded that I need a Savior. And I have a feeling it's not, it's not just me who needs a reminder. So what's going to happen at the end of the sermon is members from our VIP team are going to come down. They're going to pass out trays. And in those trays are stacks of cups. The bottom cup has some bread that reminds us of Jesus' body that was broken for us. The top cup has some juice that reminds us of his blood that was shed for us. And you can feel free to take communion anytime that is passed out. But Jesus died on the cross to take our sin away so we could have a relationship with God. And by the way, entering into a relationship with God is the most important relationship you ever enter into. I don't know if you've ever made that decision before, to believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, that he rose again from the dead. And because you believe that, say, God, I wanna follow you. I wanna give you my life. I wanna make you the leader of my life. 
and then be baptized into him, immersed in the water, and be raised to true life. If you've never made that decision, to believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, to make him the leader of your life and to be baptized in him, I wanna invite you to do that today. When you came in, you received a program, and at the bottom of that program is a connect card, and at the bottom of that connect card is a box that says, I wanna accept Christ and be baptized. That's the most important decision you'll ever make. If you come, listen, I got a great sermon for you. I know, because I've, I've, I've preached it before. Um, I wrote it, but <clears throat> if you come and you hear that and you decide to do what I tell you to do, that's great. Your life is going to get better. Things are going to change. I promise you. But if you miss this and you never enter into a relationship with God, that's the thing that matters the most. And so I want to encourage you today, if you've never made that decision, check that box, drop it off at our VIP table. We got some people there who would love to talk to you about the decision that you made. But Jesus was, was crucified on the cross, and then he was buried in a tomb. Three days later, though, Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered the grave. He rose with the keys to hell and death, and he resurrected. But that wasn't the end of the story. See, Jesus resurrected, and then he met with his 11 disciples at the time, because Judas, the one who betrayed him, was so guilt-ridden that he killed himself. And so Jesus meets with his 11 disciples, and he hangs out with him for about 40 days. And at the end of those 40 days, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. But before he ascends into heaven, he gets his disciples together. And then after he ascends, they get another one. So there's 12 of them again. But he gets his disciples together right there on this mountain. And here's, here's what he says to them. It's found in Matthew 28, verse 18. It said, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus gets his disciples together on the top of this mountain, and it's like, hey, listen, you remember three years ago when I got you guys all together, and you didn't know anything? You were just fishing and stuff, and I said, here, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I've been teaching you for the past three years. This has been leading somewhere. I got crucified. You saw that, and you were probably really sad, but then I rose again from the dead. That was a pretty cool trick, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Great. Now, it doesn't stop there, because here's what's going to happen. I'm about to ascend, and I've given you the authority that I have. I have all authority in heaven and on earth, and, and, and I'm gonna be with you. And so I want you to go out into all the worlds and care, all the worlds, all of them, every single world that's out there. Uh, Jupiter and planet and Mars. Anyway, I want you. <laughs> I've only practiced this like 18 times. I want you to go into all the world and carry this movement of a mission to see people raised to true life. Essentially, what Jesus does is he gets his disciples together and he says, it's not about me because a great movement is not built on the talent of a few but on the sacrifice of many. So tag, you're it. This is what Jesus does with his disciples. And then he's like, bye, Felicia. <laughs> and he ascends into the cloud. He's gone. And the disciples are looking at each other like, well, I guess we got some work to do. So they go to the city of Jerusalem, but they hang out there for 10 days, and there's about 120 people who are following the disciples at this time. But on the day of Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus res uh, ascended into heaven, God's spirit was poured out on those guys, and, um, and Peter goes out into the city of Jerusalem. There's thousands of people there, and he starts preaching a sermon. 
And people gather around and they listen to the sermon. And it says, that day, 3,000 people accepted the message Peter preached and were baptized. That day, the church went from 120 people to 3,000 people in one day. That is the fastest growing church in history. And, and, and by the way, that is a good thing. Because as time goes on, the church grows even more from 3,000. And it's good for churches to grow. God desires for his church to grow. You should never say about a church, I don't, it's getting too big. I went to that one church and I didn't like it because it was too big. No, you should never say that. You should never be dissatisfied with growth in a church because God wants his church to grow. The reason is because God, God, God cares about people. And as churches continue on in the movement with a mission to see people raised to true life, more and more people will come to be a part of that movement. That means that the church is going to grow. And if you say, well, I don't like big churches, I don't want the church to grow, well, then what you're saying is that the thing God cares about, you don't care about. You would never say that about your bank account. Well, I just hope my bank account doesn't grow. I just wanted to stay small all the time. No. So, so the church, what happens is it, is it grows astronomically in size. If you say, well, I don't really like big churches, you wouldn't have liked the first church. You'd have been like, well, this isn't the church for me. I'll just go somewhere else. No. So God desires for his church to grow because there's people who need to know about him. And as people come to know about him, as lost people are found, the church grows and the movement expands. So growth is a great thing. But, but growth can also be a problem. Because as you grow, as you get bigger, you got to increase your capacity. As you grow, you got to change some of the systems that you have in place, some of the processes, because you can't keep doing things the way that you used to be doing it, because that was great for 300 people, but now there's 600 people, and so we got to change some things up. So, so there's, there's growing pains when something grows, and this is what the disciples experience. As the church grows and continues to grow, uh, there's this program that they had going on where they were feeding people, but as the church got bigger, some people were being overlooked in the feeding, and so... The, the apostles, the, the leaders of the church, got together and they had this conversation about the problem they were facing. Uh, in Acts chapter 6, verse 2, we see the conversation. It says, so the 12 called a meeting of all the believers. And they said, you know, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. So brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Listen, we can't do it all. We got to select some more people to get involved, to start serving. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word, doing the things that only we can do. Everyone liked this idea and they chose the following. And then it gives a list of people that they chose. Um, but then here's what happens when people from the church stepped up and got involved in the work of the church. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. So God's message continued to spread the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem. See, because the people of the church served in the church, the message of the church spread. The, the movement that they were a part of began to expand, and the mission was accomplished as more and more people were raised to true life. It only happens when the people of the church get involved in the mission of the church. 
And so, and so um, people started getting involved. People started serving. People started using their gifts, abilities, and talents to, to make a difference in the lives of other people. And, and then as time goes on, this guy named Paul goes out and he starts all kinds of churches in the known world. And then he writes letters to these different churches just to instruct them and teach them and encourage them. Uh, but there were a couple churches that didn't understand this, this idea that when, when you're a part of a church, you don't just come and sit and spectate, but you get involved. And so there was this church in the city of Corinth that, that they didn't quite understand this. And so Paul takes some time in his letter to explain this to him. It's like he's, he's doing this. It's like he's saying, listen, I just, I just want to remind you that there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. And, and look at verse 7. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. And so what Paul is explaining to the people in Corinth is this that uh, God has given each of us some gifts, abilities, and talents to make a difference. And God is not like Santa Claus in that he just gives gifts to good people, but he's given gifts to everybody. So all of us, every single person here, you have been given some gifts, abilities, and talents from God for you. No, that's not what it said. Verse seven, verse seven. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. So we can help each other. God has given you some gifts, abilities, and talents. He's given you the personality you have. Uh, he's given you the perspective you have, the way that you look at things. He's given you everything he's given you, not for you, but for others. So that you can use what you have to serve others to help others, to enrich the lives of others. There's this time that Jesus told this, this story, um, and he said, he said there was this master who went off on a trip, and he got his servants together. He got three of his servants together, and he gave one servant five bags of gold. He gave another servant two bags of gold. He gave uh, another servant one bag of gold. He said, okay, I'm out. Here, I'm entrusting you with these bags of gold. Well, the guy with five bags of gold uses what he's been given to make more. The guy with two bags of gold uses what he's been given to make more. The guy with one, one bag of gold, though, what he does is he just buries it in the ground. Then the master comes back, and the guy with five bags of gold says, hey, you entrusted me with these five bags of gold. By the way, where did the bags of gold come from? The master? You've been given gifts, abilities, and talents by God. The bag of gold came from the master. You entrusted me with five bags of gold, he says. I used what you gave me, and I got five more bags of gold. Here's 10. And the master says, well done. You've been trusted with a few things. I'll entrust you with more. Why? Because he used what he was given. The guy with two bags of gold. You entrusted me with two bags of gold, I got two more. Well done. I'll entrust you with more. Why? Because he used what he was given. The guy with one bag of gold. Hey, I got your bag of gold. It's it's over here. Let me, let me uncover it because I buried it right here. It's right here. It's, the gold is here in the dirt. I buried it. Here's your dirty gold back. And the master says, are you kidding me? Just like that. Are you kidding me? 
I entrusted you with a bag of gold. How come you didn't use it? How come you didn't do something with it? You should have at least taken it to the bankers and I would have got interest for it. Instead, you buried what I gave you. And he takes a bag of gold. He gives it to the guy with 10 bags of gold. And he said, if you're not able to be trusted with just a little bit, even what you have will be taken from you. Paul said this, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The truth is this, you have been given some gifts, abilities, and talents by God, and what we do with gifts is we give them, not bury them. The way that we use the gifts, abilities, and talents that God has given us is to serve others, is to put them into practice. We don't bury them, but we give them. God gave you the gifts, the abilities, the talents, the perspective, the personality you have so that you could be a blessing to others. But as long as you view church as a seat that you sit in and spectate, then you're sitting on the gift God gave you. And we miss out on what God wants to do in this movement through you. There's another time where... Um, the, the, the church of Ephesus, they just, they didn't get it either. And so, um, and so Paul has to write to them, but, but before he writes to them, he goes on to explain a little more to the Corinthians uh, about this truth about gifts. He says this, um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says, the human body has many parts. I mean, just, just think about it like a body. There's one body, but it has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. And so the idea is this, that we are a body together, and we all play different parts. And so maybe for you, you're an arm. You are an arm of this body. But in order to be a functional arm, it means that you got to use the gifts, abilities, and talents that God has given you. If not, we got an arm like this. Right? You are a liver in the body. If you don't use your gifts, abilities, and talents, then all sorts of bad things happen because the liver does something. You, God forbid, you are like a lung in this body and you refuse to use the gifts, abilities, and talents that you've been given because now we're just breathing through one lung. We're just barely making it. How much more could we do? How much, how much greater could this church be? How many more people could we reach? How, how much further could we take this movement if every single person here understood I am a part of the body and God has put me here for a reason and because of that, I am going to use my gifts, abilities, and talents to make a difference because God gave them not for me, but for the benefit of others, what if everybody just rose up and decided, I'm going to do what God placed me here for? Your body. Your body. Your body. The church isn't just a chair, but your body, and you play a part in it. Again, the, the people in Ephesus, they didn't get it either. And so Paul explains it to them. He said this. Now listen. These are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, essentially the leaders of the church. God gave, gave leaders of the church, and their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So it's my job as a pastor not to do the work of the church, but that's what we pay you for, pastor. No, it's not. 
my job as a pastor of the church is to build you up, to equip you, to help you see what God has given you so that you can step into open opportunities and use the gifts God has given you to serve others. Because when you do that, more people are added to the movement. We saw this in the early church. That's my role. That's our coordinator's role. That's our staff's role, not to do the work of the church, but to equip the people of the church to step into open opportunities using their gifts God has given them so that we can see more people raise the true life. Verse 16 says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Every need that we have as a church is met right here in this room. God has placed you here for a purpose. And I don't know if you know this or not, but there are open opportunities in our church. There are places that need help. There are places that could be better. But this says he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. So the answer to some of the problems we got is sitting right here. I just believe God makes this body fit together perfectly. I mean, that's what it says. Oh, wait. As each part does its own special work. Oh, that's how, okay. So you can't just fit together perfectly, but as each part does its own special work, so you gotta actually do something. Okay. Starting to click. It helps the other parts grow. Oh, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Did you see it? God has put you here for a purpose, and when you do what God has called you to, when you use the gifts, abilities, and talents God has given you, then everything grows. Then we're filled. We're able to see this movement move forward in a greater way. And so I just want to ask you, what gift has God given you, but you've been bearing it? It's time to unearth it. It's time to dig it up. It's time to start using it, because God put you here for, do you love this church? Yeah. You do? Okay, good. Start serving. Well, I don't love it that much. I mean, I just kind of like it. You said love. That was, I love hot dogs, too, but I, you know, that just, do you love this church? God put you here for a reason. He gave you gifts, abilities, and talents so that you could use them to make a difference to impact other people. Start serving. Because that's why you're here, to use what God gave you. I just want to ask you, do you see the common thread through all of this? You, you see Jesus get here, and he gets 12 guys to follow him around. But Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is all-powerful. How come he didn't? Because the great movement is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. That's why Jesus got the 12. And then, and then the 12, they, they're leading the church. Things are going well, but then they grow. They, they bump into some, some problems, some obstacles, some processes need to get changed. And then they say, okay, we need to get some more people to get involved. And when more people get involved, when more people start serving, the church grows. The movement is accelerated. The mission is accomplished. Paul explains it to the people in Corinth. He says, listen, when, when you use your gifts, abilities, and talents like a body working together, then you're in full harmony. 
and you're able to do the work of the church, you're able to accomplish what God has called you to. When he explains it to the people in Ephesus. When, when you are equipped and you start using your gifts, then the body is able to grow. Then the mission is able to be accomplished. Do, do you see the common theme through all of this? Do, do you see that when more people put their hand on the house, the load is lighter? When more people give a loan for a microfinance, the amount gets smaller? and more people can be helped and raised up out of poverty. When more people get involved in the work of the church, we see more people raised to true life. It's a, it's a cause and effect correlation that takes place. Let me show you this, let me show you this, let me show you this. One more, one more place in the scriptures. I just, I just wanna show you this. When Jesus makes his debut, he, he gets his disciples together and he needs to teach them this lesson that a great movement is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. So he gets his disciples together and he shows them this lesson early on. It's found in Luke chapter five, starting in verse one. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter five, starting in verse one. Luke chapter five, verse one. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. Now the net that they would have been washing would have been a lot like this one here. This is called a cast net or a throw net. And the way that it works is you grab it by the center, you toss it into the water, it falls down to the bottom. The, there are weights all around the side. The weights drag it down to the bottom and then you pull it up and as it comes up, it catches all the fish. And that's how you catch fish with a cast net just in case you were wondering. So he's, it says that he sees these fishermen cleaning their nets by their boats. So that means that they had either just gone out to go fishing or they're about to go fishing and they're getting them ready. We know from the context later on that, they're about, that they had just been out all night. But Jesus goes over to the boats because the crowds are crowding around him. So he's gonna go out into the water to teach them from there. There's just standing room only. There's no way, um, he, th 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 there's just not enough room. So Jesus goes over to the boats. These guys are cleaning their nets and uh, he gets into the boat. And here's, here's what it says for us in Luke chapter five, uh, starting in verse three. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. <clears throat> Jeez, I'm tired. We, we've been fishing all night and we hadn't caught anything. Not only am I tired, I'm frustrated. Jesus, I'm hungry, I'm trying to get home. I've already accommodated you by coming out into the shallow end so you could preach a little sermon. Can I go home now? No, 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 I want you to go out into the deep water and throw down the nets again. Jesus, Jesus we just cleaned the nets. That means we gotta clean them again. Jesus, I'm a fisherman. I've been doing this for years. We've fished all night. By the way, night is the best time to fish and we didn't catch anything. I don't wanna insult you. Jesus, don't take this personally. Don't, don't take it personal. But you're just a rabbi. What do you know about fishing? Jesus, I don't wanna do this. See, Jesus calls Peter and the fishermen to do something that's inconvenient. 
Because how many of you know that Jesus does not care about your convenience? Jesus says, I want you to go out into the deep end and put the nets down. Jesus said, I want you to push past the limits and, 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 and put the nets down. How many of you know that in order to grow, you gotta push past what you think your limits are? And God will constantly call you past your limits. So Peter has all these excuses, right? He could have all these excuses. We've been out all night. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm frustrated. Jesus, are you sure you know what you're talking about? But verse 5 continues. Look at Luke 5, 5b. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Master, we've worked hard all night and hadn't caught anything, but, but because you say so, I will. But because you say so, I will. Uh, listen, I don't know about serving. I mean, I'm really busy. I got, all, I, I got too much going on right now. I got some personal stuff going on in my life right now. I don't know about serving. I, I don't think I have time for that. I just started coming like two months ago. Don't I need to come a little more? I mean, I, I don't know about that. My, my schedule changes every once in a while. I don't know if I have the time to serve. I don't know. It's a little hectic. I don't know. Listen, listen, listen. Peter could have had all kinds of excuses. I'm sure you got all kinds of excuses, and a lot of them are good. You got some great excuses. Awesome reasons why you can't serve. But my prayer is that our response would be like that of Peter, where we say, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's, 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 I got all these reasons why not. But Jesus, because you say so, I will. Because you say so, I will. And I want you to see what happens when these fishermen do what Jesus told them to do. Luke 5, verse 6, when they had done so, when they had done so, when they had done so, when they had done so. Not, not when they knew so. Well, I know what I need to do. I know I ought to. I really want to. I know I should. You need to stop shouldn't on yourself. Just saying. <laughs> but when they had done so, when they had done so, when they did what he said to do, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and they filled the boat so full that they began to sink. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Jesus needed to teach his disciples. A great movement is not built on the talent of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. So I want you to go out, let down the nets, and when you get more people involved, it said, it said they caught such a great catch that other people had to come over, and they had to put their hands on the net, and they had to help bring it up. Jesus wanted to teach them, when we work together, when more people get involved, when we get more hands on the net, we can accomplish even greater things than we could ever imagine. And these guys, Peter, James, John, they've been fishermen all their life, and they're amazed at this catch. They had never had a catch like this before. But the catch came when they did what Jesus told them to do. The catch came when Jesus told them, when they did what Jesus told them to do. I wonder, I wonder, what is Jesus telling you to do that you're not doing? 
It isn't until you do it that we'll be able to move this movement forward. We'll be able to see our mission accomplished in even greater ways. We'll be able to see a city that's lost come to be found. We'll be able to see people who don't know Jesus come and be saved. It's only when we do what Jesus told told us to do, and that's by getting our hands on the net. And this is a pretty big net. So we gotta get more hands on the net. I wanna show you some people who are in our church right now who have their hands on the net who have responded and who have said, I'm gonna do what Jesus told me to do. And they're serving in our church. Would you guys give it up for Crystal? She makes her way up. (laughs) Crystal. Crystal serves in our kids' check-in area. She she also plays roller derby. And um, so you don't wanna get in a fight with her, she'll knock you over. (laughs) But Crystal has her hands on the net. I wanna introduce you to Jen. Jen serves in our at our VIP table. Jen's a mom, Jen's a wife, just like many of you. She's a normal person, just like you. She has her hands on the net. Would you give it up for Sasha as she makes her way up? <laughs> Sasha serves in elementary, investing in kids so that they discover that a life with God is better than a life without God. Give it up for Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen's in the Navy and she teaches people how to drive boats. How awesome is that, right? But she serves our team members waffles and breakfast uh, every other Sunday morning. That's a way that we honor people who serve. Some are like, oh, now I want to start serving. It's Kathleen. Would y'all give it up for April? Yeah. April, April's a mom. I know she doesn't look it, but she's also a grandma. Regular person, just like you. She serves in our, um, in our birth through two area. We don't birth them there, but we take care of birth through two there. And, uh, but she gives her time to serve. Y'all give it up for Sai. Sai. Sai is in middle school, and he serves on our VIP team greeting people. I just noticed, too, we got all these girls up here. We need some more guys. We need some more men to step up, get their hands on the net. Y'all give it up for Gracie. Gracie. She's in, she's in high school. She serves in our preschool area. High school. Sai, you're in middle school. Grace, she might be a little too old for you. Never mind. <laughs> Just trying to help you out. Y'all give it up for Liz. Liz. Liz, Liz oversees our creative arts area. She didn't always. She just started that, what, a, a couple months ago. But she stepped up and she decided to get her hands on the net. We got all kinds of people who have their hands on the net. But here's what I want you to see. There's still more room on the net. There's still more room on the net. So now I wanna ask you, will you get your hand on the net? Will you not just clap about it, but will you come up and put your hands on the net? Because there's still more room on the net. If you're ready to get your hands on the net, to start serving, to make a difference, to not just clap and to not just sit in a seat and spectate, but to get your hands on the net, come on up, because there's still more room on the net. We got to get more hands on the net. As we get more hands on the net, we'll be able to reach more people. We'll be able to see this mission move further, because we are on a mission to see people raise to true life, and there's still more room on the net. There's still more room on the net. 
I believe God wants to fill this place with people so that people are around the balconies. So we move to two worship experiences, not just so we can be full, not so we can have a packed experience, but so that more people are raised to true life. And it only happens when we get our hands on the net. There's still more room on the net. There's still more room on the net. Who's ready? Who's ready? Who's ready? I don't know about getting on stage. I'm scared. There's still more room on the net. This is not a place where we come and spectate, but this is a movement where we engage in a mission to see people raise to true life. And as people get involved, more people are raised to true life. Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for everyone here. Not just here holding the net, but those who are still seated. And God, there may be some people who didn't come to grab hold of the net. That's all right. I know that you're speaking to them, and I pray that today they would make the decision to stop by the orange tables, to sign up, to serve, to make a difference, to get involved. God, I pray that you would use this church in a great way. Because we are not just a gathering in a building that comes once a week to feel good about ourselves, but we are a movement to be reckoned with, and we will stop at nothing to see people raise to true life. So God, help us as we get involved and serve like never before. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Y'all give it up for everybody here. Thank you guys so much. You can make your exit. So look, if y'all came up here and grabbed hold of the uh, net, I want you to follow through and stop at the orange tables and sign up to serve if you're not. Because <laughs> it's one thing to clap about it. It's one thing to get excited about it. It's another thing to actually engage in it. And so I want to invite you today, if you're not currently serving, to use the gifts, abilities, and talents that God has given you. He didn't miss out on you. He, di he didn't forget about you. But use that to make a difference here in this movement. Like I said, we're gonna celebrate communion. Members of our VIP team are gonna come down and they're gonna pass out trays. As they pass out trays, feel free to take communion anytime that you'd like. And I wanna answer something real quick that you might be saying, but what about, but what about, but what about? But what if I'm busy? Today, when you came in, you were served by busy people. What if I got personal issues going on? If you knew half of the personal issues of the people who are here on stage, you'd be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> that's, that's nothing. Nothing. I got nothing on that. You're served by people who are busy. You're served by people who got personal issues. You're served by all kinds of different people. And I want to encourage you to step out, grab hold of the net. Let's make a difference. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray you were inspired and encouraged by today's message. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, sign up to serve on a team, join a group, or just find out more information on The Rising, visit us at wearetherising.com.